Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. God. Good evening, Faith family. So glad you could join us. My name is Minister April Johnson. Um, I thank you so much for tuning in today. I just want to take an opportunity before we begin to honor and say thank you to Pastor Carrick and Lady Raquel for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. If you tuned in today to hear our pastor, I ask that you tune in another day to hear an anointed word from an awesome man of God. Well, I have the awesome privilege of sharing the word with you today, so go ahead and bow your head as we pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, as we come before you right now, Father, we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. We thank you for this opportunity to hear and receive your word. Father, your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our pathway. Father, we promise to hide your word in our hearts that we will not sin against you. Father, I yield myself to you right now as a vessel. Use my tongue as that of a ready writer to write upon the hearts and lives of your people, your word, which is able to change their lives forever. Father, we invite the presence of Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Move and manifest any way you desire or see fit. And Father, we'll be careful to give you and you alone all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise now and forever. In Jesus' name, everybody in agreement say it. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you've been tuning in for the last several weeks, um, in, in our broadcast, in our faith broadcast, then you know that Pastor Carrick has been talking about join the resistance. And that one of the key scriptures that he took us to was found in James, the book of James chapter four, verse seven. So I invite you to turn there with me now. James chapter four, verse seven. We're going to look at two of our key scriptures, one found in James chapter 4, the other found in 1 Peter. James chapter 4 verse 7 reads, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Again, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, let's quickly turn over there. 1 Peter chapter 5 we're going to, actually, we're going to pick up at verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 reads, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. So here in, in these two passages of scriptures, you'll see that theme of resist the devil. Here in verse 9, it says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So Peter and Paul were telling us as believers that we have a responsibility to stand in resistance to the enemy or to the devil. Turn back with me to James chapter 4, verse 7. Now, when you look at the word submit, because there's some very key points that we have to understand when it comes to resisting the devil. The first of that is, number one, we are told in verse 7, James chapter 4, verse 7, I'm going to read that again and then pull out those two points. 
James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So number one, in the book of James, we are given two instructions. The first of that is to submit to God. The second of that is to resist the devil. Well, when you look at submitting, what does submission mean? Submission means to yield, resign, surrender, excuse me, to yield, to resign, or to surrender to the power of will or authority of another I'll read that again submit means to yield resign or surrender to the power will or authority of another so the word is telling us here to submit to yield yourself to resign yourself to surrender to the power or will or authority of father God so submit yourselves to God and when you submit to God then you will be able to resist the devil when you look at the word resist it the the definition I have for you is it means to stand against to withstand to act in opposition so if you're going to resist the devil you must first understand how you are to submit to God so what it, when, it, when we say submit to God what exactly are we submitting to you are submitting to his way of living God's way of living, God's way of thinking, God's way of talking, God's way of battle, God's way of victory, and God's way of love. In other words, God has a certain way that he operates here in the earth. And as we as believers, what he's expecting for us to do is to surrender our will, to surrender our way of doing things to his will. In other words, to acknowledge him as God, to acknowledge him as the most high God. The, the God who knows way beyond anything we could ever imagine. The omniscient God, the all-knowing God, the all-seeing God, the God who made the entire earth. But what God is asking us to do is to lay aside our ability and submit to his. So when you recognize your need, first you have to recognize your need for submission. You're, when, when you, a lot of times when we, when we talk about submission or when we think about submission, submission in, in our modern, uh, you know, every everyday conversation has a bad connotation because it almost means like you're letting go of a part of yourself or you're you're making yourself subservient to or secondary to another that's not the case with father God it's almost like somebody father God is trying to take you on a journey if someone were trying to take you on a surprise trip a surprise vacation and they said all I need you to do is to show up show up have a have a small backpack and I'm going to take you somewhere well, you could, you know, you could be the type of person that says, no, I need to know every detail and I've got to, I'll pack my own bag. I'll make my own plans. I'll do things my way and I'll have the best trip. If I don't plan it, if I'm not in control, then it's not going to be any good. Well, what Father God is asking you to do is just like a person that will be going on a surprise trip. Or I won't even say a blind date because those don't turn out so well all the time, but a surprise trip where they had everything laid out for you. All you would have to do is show up. So what Father God is inviting you to do is come with him into this life as a believer. Walk with him. Leave your things beside. You're bringing your personality, your style, who, who, who you are, but he's saying, listen, put 
put everything aside and allow me to unfold my way in front of you. Allow me to unfold my way of doing things, my way of thinking, my way of talking, my way of acting, my way of battle, my way of victory, because that is how you will succeed in this life. You can either go through life battling against God and bump and, and having bumps and bruises throughout because you want to do it your way, or you can surrender your will to his and know that Father God has your best interest at heart. Father God, the word tells us that Father God knows the end from the beginning. And so that means that if he already knows, he knows at the start of something how it's going to end, then why would I sit here and fight against him and say, no, I want to do it my way. No, I want to use my will. No, I want to I want to have it the way I like when he already sees how it's going to turn out. So what he's inviting us to do is submit to his will, submit to his way so that we have the power and the authority to stand bold and stand firm against the enemy. So now let's look at resist the devil. Actually, let's go back to submit. I, I, I want to camp out there a little bit longer because sometimes it's, it's one thing when you, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but Father God is not just asking you to to basically to start off this Christian life and then you go and do your own thing and live your life the way you desire. What Father God is saying is he wants to be in charge. He wants to be the he wants to be the pilot and the director of every area of your life. So that means that you have to submit your thoughts, your desires, your plans, your attitudes, your will, your action, your hopes, your dreams, your ambition. Everything about your life has to be submitted to Father God. You know, that's not always easy, but it is the best decision you will ever make. Why? As I, as I share with you, Father God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. So why would you try to, to, to follow a path in life where you're going along almost like playing hide and seek in the dark? My kids love to play hide and seek. I have two girls, uh, as many of you know, Priya and Malia. Malia can play hide and go seek every day of the year, um, 50 times a day if you let her. She loves hide and seek. But one of the things that, you know, if you played hide and seek as a kid, one of the things that you probably never did or should never do is run through the house and play hide and seek in the dark. Why? Chances are a part of your body is going to get hurt, most likely a big toe. Um, why? You're going to run into a wall. You're going to run into a chair. You're going to run into something that you didn't know was there. Father God doesn't want you to live life running into things, bumping and stumbling and bruising and injuring yourself. He wants you to have a smooth path, not a path that's going to be free of obstacles, but a path that he is able to lead you around every obstacle. Because, see, he knows and understands that the, we have an enemy. The enemy is out to attack. The word tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so Father God, knowing that the enemy is here and knowing that he is after us to take our life, to destroy everything about our life, he has given us the, his power and his ability and his anointing to bypass that, to resist him, to hold up God's awesome standard against the enemy so that he will flee. The enemy can only come so far in, in what he has to be met with is a wall of faith. The wall of resistance that we use to stand against the enemy is our faith. You must be bold and strong and stand in your faith. And as you stand in faith in what Father God has promised you and has spoken in his word, the enemy has no choice but to flee. Amen. Glory to God. Let's look a little bit further and understand what resistance means. 
We talk, I gave you the definition that resistance means to stand against, to withstand, to act in opposition. So essentially, when you walk in resistance, there is a wall that comes up, a faith wall that comes up between you and the enemy. So what is the enemy going to do? The enemy is going to take his best shot. He's going to fire his darts. He's going to send his arrows. He's going to do everything he can to get you off track, to get you off kilter, to attack your faith in the validity of the word of God. He wants to know, do you really believe what God has told you in this word? Do you believe it's true? Are you going to hold on to it? Are you going to stand in faith until that promise manifests or are you going to quit and give up? There should not be any soldier left on the battlefield who's whimpering and limping along. Father God has called us and has raised us to be a mighty army. And as I said, when, when, when Pastor Kerr first talked about <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, joining the resistance, the first thought that came in my mind, as soon as I heard the title, the first thought that came into my mind was that of Star Wars. Now, for those that know me, you'll know that I am a huge Star Wars fan. I actually uh, confiscated this from my daughter's room. You may not be able to see it glowing right now, but it, it does glow. Um, but when you think about Star Wars, you think about, or when I think about Star Wars, there is, was a group of individuals called the Resistance. And what did the Resistance do? The Resistance basically was a group of, you know, group of individuals that decided that they were going to take a stand against the First Order. They basically were the, the guardians or the saviors of the galaxy. And so when you think about Star Wars, you think about the troopers or you think about uh, Luke Skywalker, you think about the Jedi, you think about Leia and all of those that were a part of the resistance and you think about the dark side. There was always a contrast between the good side and the dark side or the evil side. And what I want to submit to you today is that when you look at a movie such as Star Wars or a franchise such as Star Wars or when you look at, you know, comic books or superheroes or, or you look at cartoons you, and you see superheroes, what you're always going to find is there's always going to be the good guys versus the bad guys. You're going to have the side of good versus the side of evil. And so what, what, what Father God wants me to share with you is basically a visual picture. Now, growing up as a, as, a, as, a, as a little girl, one of my favorite superheroes and one of my favorite characters, there were two in particular, one of them was the bionic man. I think his, his character name was Steve Austin, the bionic man, and the other one was Wonder Woman. Man, when I tell you, I absolutely loved Wonder Woman. I actually, I'm, I'm still a low-key Wonder Woman fan. I have... Um, some Wonder Woman paraphernalia at home. I started to bring it, but I was like, man, that may be a little bit too much over the top. Um, but I love Wonder Woman, love the bionic man. I just generally love superheroes. And when you think about the superheroes, there were specific characteristics that we can find and look at when we, when we, when we study a superhero. Um, and what Father God wants us to see is, I want you to, I'm going to take you to children's church with me. I want you to put your faith glasses on. I want you to put your faith helmet on. And I want you to put your 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 faith seatbelt on so we can go on a faith journey and I even want you to put your faith superhero costume on because that's what you're going to become today it's a superhero for God amen 
All right, let's begin. And so when, when we talk about superheroes, I told share with you that two of my super, favorite superheroes were Wonder Woman and the Bionic Man. Now, the Bionic Man was, uh, for those that remember, you know, he came out, I think he came out in the, the 70s to, you know, mid-70s, early 80s. Um, but the Bionic Man, what was so cool about him is I think he had been in an accident and somehow had lost his leg and, and something happened to his arm. And so uh, the scientists had come and they had, they had, you know, reconstructed his leg and reconstructed his arm. And so he had this supernatural ability where he could run fast, he could leap high, he could bend things and break things. I mean, he had superhuman strength. And so what he was able to do is that anytime an evil, uh, an enemy came against him, he was able to use his bionic arm or his bionic leg and accomplish what seemed impossible. And so when you also look at Wonder Woman and other superheroes, I could go on and on and on and talk about all of the different superheroes and about their supernatural characteristics. But I want you to put yourself in that position. And I'm going to I want us to look at comparisons between the superheroes of of our imagination or of Hollywood, Hollywood's uh, formulation of superheroes and God's formulation of superheroes, because you're going to see a lot of parallels between the two. So um, one of the things that you know about a superhero is that, number one, superheroes have extraordinary abilities and powers. They're known for their martial arts skills and their fighting skills. Number two, we know that superheroes are courageous. They are full of courage. It doesn't matter what the enemy, what in, how big the enemy is, what the enemy's tools are, what the enemy's weapons are, what his tactics are. They're full of courage. Superheroes know every detail of their weapons and fully understand how to deploy them. Superheroes have strong moral codes and good character and mental stability. I'll say that again. They have strong moral codes and good character and mental stability. Number five, they have a high tolerance to pain. Number six, they have a great sense of responsibility to their fellow man and the greater good. So you may say, well, Minister AJ, what does this mean? What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with the resistance? What does this have to do with me being a believer? I'm so glad you asked because I'm ready to tell you. So basically, as, as, we say, as I share, when you think about superheroes, superhero cartoons, comic books, or movies, there's a ton of those that have been out, some that are, are absolutely loved, um, and I could go on and on. That's just you know, a fun conversation for me. But I need you to see that God has placed you here in the earth. He's given you special equipment, supernatural ability. He's given you access that is beyond what anybody could ever think or imagine. He has given you a position of authority that he expects you as a believer to operate in and to effect change here in the earth. So it is imperative that you understand who you are, what you are qualified to do, what you were called to do, and that you're busy about doing what God has called you to do 
because the world is depending on you. Now, when you watch any cartoon or any superhero movie, there's always going to be a damsel in distress or somebody in the world that needs help. If it were Spider-Man, they would yell out, help, Spider-Man, help, save me. Or if it were Batman, they would yell out that superhero's name. They would yell out Batman's name and Batman would come. If it were Superman, Superman would fly in. Every superhero understood that he had a clear mission and that there was somebody that was going to need his help. It didn't matter what he was doing in his regular life. When you think about the original Superman, Clark Kent, he would he had his job as a reporter and you know he'd be about you know it, it, working at the newspaper and doing editorial work. But if somebody cried out for help, when he heard that call for help, then what would he do? He would steal away and go off into a little phone booth or a closet somewhere, put on his costume, come out running and be on the spot. God needs you to step up and step into your place as his superhero so that you can be the one that answers the call that the world has for help. So let's begin right now by looking at the extraordinary extraordinary abilities and powers that superheroes possess by first looking at John chapter 3 verse 8. For, excuse me, 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Superheroes have extraordinary abilities and power. And so when we look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, I want you to understand basically the beginning of it all. Verse 8 says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. When does sin enter the earth? We are familiar that sin entered the earth when Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And so that sin, that death sentence, that sin nature passed upon all men. Spiritually, we were, we were dead and separated from God. And so God, knowing that we needed a Savior, sent Jesus to die and pay the price for our sins. So when Jesus came into the earth, ultimately, what was his primary goal and responsibility? We see it here in this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, uh, the B part of this verse says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So from the very beginning, Father God's purpose for sending Jesus into the earth was to destroy, to obliterate, to render powerless and ineffective the works of the devil. So when you understand that Jesus came to this earth to destroy the works of the devil, then you realize that the work of defeating the enemy is already done. He, that's what he did on Calvary. He destroyed the works of the devil. Let's go on to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And it reads, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, we saw that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 reads how God anointed. Jesus was covered and, and infused with Holy Ghost power. 
with the Holy Ghost and with power. And what did Jesus do? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by who? The devil. Jesus went about doing good. So every single day of his life, Jesus went about doing good, healing all. Every single person that was oppressed of the devil, except for the, the, the instances where their faith would not, uh, where they would not operate in faith. But what, what do we want to see most importantly? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? God was with him. So when we look at the person and the, the life of Jesus and understand that God was with him, understand that he was anointed, understand that he had the Holy Ghost and power, understand that his ultimate mission was to destroy the works of the devil, Let's get, continue a little further because this is where we come in. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Looking at the anointing that was on Jesus. Looking at why he was called, why he was appointed, why he was anointed. What was his whole purpose for being here? Luke chapter 4, verse 18 reads, this is Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, up on me, upon me, because he hath anointed me, rubbed his power on me, smeared it in me, infused me with the anointing and the Holy Ghost power of the Lord. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, recover your sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In other words, every attack that the enemy could bring against us, Jesus was sent here to destroy it destroy every attack Jesus had power over all the power of the enemy let's turn to John chapter 1 verse 12 St. John chapter 1 verse 12 St. John chapter 1 verse 12 reads but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So here in the first parts of our scripture, we saw the anointing and the power that Jesus operated in. In John chapter 1 verse 12, we see that we have the right in verse 12, it's, chapter 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power. That word power there is the Greek word exousia, which means authority. It means delegated power. So we have the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So who was Jesus? Jesus was what? The son of God. So what Jesus did by giving his life, and offering salvation to the world, he extended that same opportunity for us to become the sons of God. He gave us the same authority to stand in place with him and to rule over the devil just as he did. We have the right, the privilege, the authority, the access granted to be sons of God, which means everything that Jesus did, we have that same opportunity to do the same. We have the same anointing, the same calling to do what he did. Let's look at Luke chapter, uh, 
excuse me, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Now, what I'm sharing with you should not be new as a believer. Pastor Carrot, we've been taught the word richly. This is not something new. This is something that has to be in the forefront of your thinking and of your way of operating so that when the enemy's sins attacks your way, you're not cowering in fear. You're not running away. You're not backing down. You're not turning your back and saying, oh, woe is me. How did this happen? We're going to talk about that a little bit shortly, in, in, a, in a little bit. But you have to be bold. You have to understand your place, understand your call, understand that you were seated in heavenly places with Christ. But let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I want to encourage you, if you've not already done so, go through the book of Ephesians because it talks about how we, it, it talks about our authority as a believer. It shares with us that we were seated in heavenly places in Christ, far above all principality and power, might, and dominion, which means that when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we had not only the, uh, the right and the authority to become the sons of God, but he, positionally, we are seated in heaven with him far above all principality of might which means if you're far above something then that means whatever is beneath you can't get close to you why you're far above it if I want to talk about how how high this roof is this roof is high above where I am and as much as I want to and as much as I may try I cannot jump high enough to reach this ceiling or to reach the roof so when you understand that God has placed you far above principality and power. This is not just a physical position, but in terms of your equipment and your ability, he has equipped you with his anointing. There's no comparison to the power of God and the power of the enemy. Father God, Satan was defeated. Oh, we're going to look at that shortly in this, this next verse. Satan was defeated. Jesus rendered him powerless and ineffective. So when he throws his darts at you, you need to realize that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I could go on so many different rabbit trails, but let me stay focused. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 18. Or look, actually, let's back up to verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And it reads, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. So Jesus had sent the disciples out. He had given them an assignment, and they came back just as excited, like, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. In other words, the devils recognize our authority. The devils recognize the power that we were operating in. What did Jesus say? In verse 18, he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So it's almost like Jesus saw Satan's defeat twice. He saw him get kicked out of heaven. Then he saw the defeat that he rendered unto him when he died on the cross, when he went down into hell and basically obliterated the devil and all of his cohorts. So let's look at verse 19. It says, behold, I give unto you, because this is the awesome sauce part of the verse. Behold, I give unto you. It's not just the work that Jesus did, but the authority and the power that he gave unto us with him. Verse 19 says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In this verse, you see two words for power. The first 
first verse that you first word that you see is exousia, which means authority or delegated power. So Jesus told his disciples, I give you power. I give you authority. I give you permission on my behalf to rule over, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That second word power is the Greek word dunamis, which means dynamite or dynamic power. So understand what Jesus just said. Jesus didn't say that we were physically capable of holding and binding the devil. He already did the work necessary for that to happen. What Jesus said is, I'm giving you my authority, and my authority gives you the ability to stand over it, to stand and have power over all the power of the enemy. My authority is what gives you the right to keep the devil in check. See, there's a difference between authority, having the authority to do something, and having the power to do something. Jesus, the, Jesus had all power in his hands in heaven and in earth. When Jesus went down into the pits of hell to defeat the enemy, he stripped Satan of his power. When he came up, he came to give us that same authority, that same privilege, that same right. Not that we needed the physical strength. The physical strength to, do, to, to subdue the enemy was what Jesus had. He gave us the authority. It's almost like, you may have heard this example before, but a police officer has been given delegated authority by the law. They have a position that says we are putting you in the earth as law enforcement officers and we're expecting that as you employ this position you are standing here on on behalf of the law so that when somebody sees you basically they're seeing us so if a police officer if the if our power goes out and, and the, the light signal stops working and we need somebody to direct traffic that officer is going to go, he's going to stand in the middle of traffic, he may have on a, a safety vest and a whistle, and he's going to direct traffic with his hands. So you see officers sometimes, they have their hands and they're telling you, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, go through traffic. Or you'll see them put their hand up, and that hand, hand sign means to do what? It means to stop. Now, does the officer have the physical power to stop traffic? No, but he has the authority and so you understand as a, as a motorist that when you see that officer put his hand up to say stop, you must stop. So what God has done for us through Christ and what he's expecting us to operate in as his superheroes, he wants us to understand the authority that he has given to us. He wants us to understand that when we put our hand up and tell the devil to stop. He must obey. Is it because we're special? Is it because of who we are? No, but it's because of the law that's backing us. It's because of the law, the, what that Father God has already established. It's because of the victory that was already won on, uh, on Calvary. So when you put your hand up and tell the enemy to stop, you're reminding him of his defeat that happened well over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus went down into the pit of hell and destroyed Satan and all of his demons. You're reminding Satan of his defeat. That is your job as a superhero, to remind Satan of his defeat. Amen? Let's go on a little bit further. We said number two, superheroes are full of courage. Go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. 
Understand that as a superhero, you have extreme, extra, extraordinary, beyond ordinary abilities and powers because that's how God anointed you with the same anointing, the same power, the same ability that Jesus had. Why? So that you could do his work here in the earth. That's one of the reasons why Father God sent Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit came into the earth, you know, when Jesus told his disciples that he was leaving them and that he had to, you know, return to heaven, you know, the disciples were like, Lord, you can't leave us. We, we need you here. And, and you know, we, we want you to stay here forever. And he was like, you know, actually, let's just go over there. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. And what Jesus told his disciples, this is the conversation that he was having, you know, with them because, of course, they did not want him to leave. They didn't want him to go. And I can understand, you know, having, you know, my father passed away several years ago, and I would give anything in the world to have him back here with me. Um, and so I, when you have somebody that you love dearly and you want to keep them close to you, it is extremely hard to imagine not having them in your life. But Jesus won up the disciples. You know, they were, they were you know, in fear and, and, and grief, you know, wondering what life will be like without them. But he told them something very important, and that's found in chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Drop down, I'm skipping a lot, but drop down to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So when you, when you look at that word for comforter, the word comforter actually expounds, expands to mean, but I will, excuse me, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter, counselor, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, helper, standby. So what Jesus wanted his disciples to know and understand is that, listen, I can only be in one place and at, and at one time and, and be, when I'm with you, I can only be in one place at one time. But there is somebody that is coming that will be with you, that is going to go with you everywhere you go. In, in other words, if Jesus were with a group of his disciples, he would just be with that group by itself. But what he wanted him to, to understand is that when Holy Spirit comes, there is a power, there is a force, there is a person that I am sending in my place that is coming to anoint you, that is coming to empower you, that is coming to energize you so that everywhere you go and everybody else that you bring with you, they're all going to have him going with them. So I want you to think about Holy Spirit. It's almost like, you know, if you watch the movie Gremlins and the Gremlins, you know, when they got put in water and they started multiplying, Father God wanted his power to multiply in the earth and so he packaged it in the person of Holy Spirit so that when we received him 
at, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we receive the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of us, then that meant that that was another access point of his power here in the earth. See, I want you to imagine that, you know, Wonder Woman was just one superhero. The, the Incredible Hulk was just one superhero. Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, The Flesh. When you go through and you list off all these superheroes, they could only help one person or one situation at a time. But what God was doing was raising up an army of believers, an army of people that did not have limits, that did not have physical, that did not have incapabilities, but had his anointing, his power, his strength, his might, and were able to go into the earth and maintain the defeat of the enemy, to maintain his stance of victory. That is who we have been called to be as God's superheroes. We are called to maintain victory here in the earth. Whoo, glory to God. I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to go through the detail of all of the other points of the superheroes, but I am going to give you the scripture so that you can study it out and, 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 and receive revelation from God on your own. So one of the point two, I said that superheroes are full of courage. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but it basically says, be strong and of a good courage. 2 Timothy chapter 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 tell, Father God tells us that God has not given us or the apostle Paul is sharing with us that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind which means that as you operate as a superhero fear cannot have dominance in your heart fear cannot dominate your mind fear cannot cause you to be crippled and in, unable and sitting in a corner somewhere you must be bold, operate in the power that Father God has placed on the inside of you. Tell fear to go. Don't allow fear to dominate your life. Another scripture to look at, look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 31. This is, this is a story of when Peter walked on the water. Actually, Jesus walked on the water to his disciples. But when Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus, when you think about that story and you realize that all of the other disciples were cowering in that ship, yet Peter was bold enough to say, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come out on this water to you. What did Peter do? Peter got out of the boat. Peter did what was naturally impossible. Why? Because of his faith. Peter would have continued walking on that water. Imagine how far he could have gone. Imagine how many, how the other disciples could have responded if Peter had maintained his walk of faith. But what, what happened? Peter started to look around and it, he saw the waves he saw the wind and the word of God says beginning to sink he cried out for fear what happened Peter lost his focus and because he lost his focus he took his eyes off of father God he took his eyes off of Jesus he began to sink so as a superhero if you allow fear to dominate your life if you refuse to keep your eyes focused on father God what do you think is going to happen just like Peter you're going to sink Keep your faith strong. Keep your courage strong. Keep your focus on Father God. Number three, we said the superheroes know every detail of their weapon and they fully, imp they fully understand how to deploy them. I'll read that again. Superheroes know every detail of their weapon and they fully understand how to deploy them. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 Ephesians 6:10 reads finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day again talking about resistance and having done all to stand standing firm in faith stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the of the wicked that means that every dart every arrow every trick every trap every scheme every plan every devilish disappointment that the enemy sends your way father God has given you his armor so that you can withstand them all if he said that you're that that wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil is there anything left after all no understand your position understand your weapons you have weapons that are supernatural just like if I were to turn on this lightsaber what did this lightsaber allow me to do now if you watched any of the Star Wars movies then you basically meant you you understand that if you got hit with the lightsaber this was a death sentence something was coming off whether it was a limb whether it was your body the, the your upper torso some part of you was going to be destroyed by this lightsaber the weapons of our warfare. We don't have physical weapons. We don't walk around with guns or with machetes or with knives. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical. You're not going to pull something out of your back pocket to go up against the devil. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5. That's, that's the scripture I just quoted. The weapons of our warfare are not counter, carnal, but mighty through God. They are infused with Holy Ghost power power and ability the weapons of our warfare are powerful they are full of power they are dynamic in their working that's how God wants us to operate in the earth as a superhero who knows and fully understands his weapons and skillfully deploys them amen I said number four superheroes have strong moral codes excuse me they have strong moral codes good character and mental stability just for for purposes of references write down Romans chapter 12 verse 1 actually let's quickly turn there as I got to get ready to close out we have just a short bit of time left Romans pastor Kerry can share this with us as well Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God Romans chapter 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so what are you, what is our responsibility to present our bodies as a sacrifice to not be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind your life is a sacrifice to father God your life is a holy present to father God 
and your life is called to be an example for others to follow. Not for you to follow the world, but for the world to follow you. Amen? Let's go on a little bit further. Number five, superheroes have a high tolerance to pain. Quickly turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, don't walk around here thinking that, oh my God, why did this happen to me? No, expect it to happen. If you are walking around and life is, is rosy and life is easy and you're not having any challenges, it probably means that you're no threat to the enemy. But when the attacks keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming, why are they coming? They're coming to take you out. They're coming because the enemy sees you as a threat. But my encouragement to you is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm only going to focus on one verse here in particular. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Focus on verse 3 in particular. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Which means, it doesn't matter how many times you get hit, you have the power to endure it. Why? You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Jesus is there to guide you, to instruct you, to anoint you. When you get hit and it hurts, you go to him, you ask him for healing, and guess what? He picks you up, dusts you off, puts you back out there on the battlefield. You don't lay on the battlefield crying and moaning and saying, oh, I got hit. Oh, this is so hard. No, you stand bold in the authority and the anointing that Father God has given you, understanding that he has called you to a life of victory. So finally, as, as I prepare to close out, a superhero has a great sense of responsibility to their fellow man and the greater good. As a believer, you must understand your life here on the earth is not just for you. God didn't call you, God didn't save you and call you and put you here just so you could live a life full of prosperity and peace and have everything that you and your family need. God called you and placed you here in the earth because he needs you to take his word and to spread it around the world. He needs you to go into the dark places, the, the, the places of, 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 of death and destruction, of sickness and of poverty. He needs you to go in there and to maintain his standard of victory, to show them the goodness of God, to show them everything that he has provided for them. God needs you to maintain his victory over the enemy. So my question to you today is, are you walking and living as a superhero or are you cowering away in shame and fear? Because see, superheroes are called to do one of two things. They are called to maintain victory. They are called to help their fellow man. You can't have it both ways. You can't just have a life that's easy for you and then turn your back on the world. No. God has promised you a prosperous life. He's promised you a victorious life, but he wants you to bring others with you. So as I close out, I'm just going to share this with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Let's turn there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. This is a powerful word that Paul, the Apostle Paul spoke. And 
I trust it will be just as powerful and effective in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 reads, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for, of ne for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Folks, we don't have time to play around. We don't have time to just live and enjoy life and be off to ourselves. God needs superheroes. God needs you to take his word, to take his anointing, to take his power, and to go out into a lost and dying world that is crying out for help. Are you listening? Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.